0: Now here's your
1: host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Um, Brilliant to be back with you for yet another week. It's 15th of December. I can't believe it's almost Christmas. Um, And I've got another fantastic guest today. We've got Simon Bailey. We're going to be talking about leading with uh, the earth in mind. Uh, before I um, introduce you to Simon, I'd like to say a big welcome, So a big thank you to Nick Sonnenberg, who was on the show last week. Uh, we were talking about uh, Coming Up for Air, um, his book, and also we're talking about a lot of how do we use different technologies right now? You know, how do you get the best from Microsoft and uh, how do you get the best from different applications out there to enable you to run your business really, really effectively I don't know if uh, you're like me and only uses just a small amount of the technology that you've actually got built into your your technology, into your laptops and computers, Um, but how do you maximise those? How do you really utilise those to um, elevate uh, your business? Um, So wherever you are in the world right now, um, a big, big welcome. I do hope that you are listening to this show, you are perhaps sitting there at the moment with A piece of paper. Um, I think it's great to listen to these things if you can, and make uh, just a few notes, and maybe come away with just two or three things that you could go away and apply. You know, I really care about us all contributing through business to a better world, and I know my guest today, Simon Bailey, does too. Now, Simon Bailey is an expert in the realm of leadership and systemic change. Uh, As we delve into the pressing need for a shift in uh, the leadership narrative. That is just so, so required right now to avoid environmental disaster. We have to change the story in business. Uh, Now, Simon has over three decades of experience. He was initially with the British uh, Army. He was leading operations and training across Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and he has transitioned into a leading voice in sustainable and regenerative business practices. He co-founded LSP Leadership, And LSP leadership are a firm that really epitomises the transition towards this regenerative organisational agenda. And he has very deep values personally, which we will uh, discuss around regeneration. And this includes initiatives like net positive biodiversity, uh, carbon sequestration through UK land stewardship, so he owns land, and he has a deep commitment to not-for-profit partnerships, partly through One Percent for the Planet, um, and he aligns his uh, business with some of the rigorous standards that are used by you know, corporations like the B Corp. Now, in this interview, we're going to find out more about his uh, shift in mindset from sustainability to regeneration. But how do we encourage? How do we encourage other leaders to go on this journey too? When actually we are on an ecological precipice right now. We need to change. We need to think differently if the world is going to move towards a thriving, sustainable and regenerative future. So a big welcome to my guest today, Simon Bailey. Thanks, Chris. It's lovely to be with you. Uh, Simon, it's great to talk with you. And uh, I always always enjoyed our conversations because you and I have known each other for quite a few years now. Um, I'm really excited about today. And, And I wonder if we could start maybe with you sharing a little bit about your early life you know what was life like for uh, young Simon growing up and uh, how did that spark a passion for this sustainable and regenerative agenda that's so
2: important to you? Thanks Chris yeah it was a love of the uh, a love of the outdoors really Um, being outside um, one half of my family came from a farming background Uh, my dad and my uncle tenant dairy farmers. So I used to get to work on my uncle's, uh, farm during the summer. Um, and it was being, being outdoors and seeing that, um, that way of life. Um, so that, that was part of it. And, um, and then a bit later on after some time in the, in the army, I I transitioned to sort of, um, civilian life as we, as we termed it when you're in the army, um, by, by doing an MBA in, in Canada, and this was around 2000, and some of the, the modules that I studied then were about sustainability. And so it was a real um, realisation, I think that was the beginning of the sort of wake-up from that things were not right and we needed to start think, thinking about things in a, in a different way. Um, and so we were talking about sustainable tourism, uh, we, were, we were definitely talking about oil and gas even then. And, uh, and so that was, I think, was part of the beginning of my, uh, you know, realisation that uh, um, we needed to change how we were thinking about, uh, you know, natural resources uh, and our use of them. Yeah.
1: And I, I think it's interesting, and you and I are similar age, and I certainly remember as a child growing up in, well, I grew up in a town, but we got out to the countryside regularly and I just remember there being so much nature around, so many, you know, birds and sparrows and rabbits and, uh, you know, went, went in, the, in the countryside. And, and also, you know, your windscreen being covered in flies whenever you are out travelling. And today, I think if you've, if you've you know, lived to be into your 50s, I think you see quite a change. I, I, I just remember things being quite different.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think one of the... I, I could definitely relate to that. And I think one of the other elements of that is is it's, um, you know, that's over the course of about 30 or 40 years. Mm. Um, so it's been, it's not that visible. And so you sort of forget what it was like unless you become aware of it. And so it's a relatively slow change. So I think even now you can look at the, you know, the countryside in the UK or in many places and think actually it looks, it looks green, looks pretty good. Um, But actually, you know, we know we're in serious trouble from a biodiversity loss point of view, as we are, as we are globally. So it's quite difficult to see unless you've got that, um, you've had that experience and that baseline from before. Um, Yeah, so we are. um, You know, nearly nearly all the studies I've read have, have put that in the UK anyway, you know, somewhere between 50 and 75 percent loss uh of, of species in the uh, in the environment that's shocking i've also noticed we lost I think,
1: two two or three trees last year and then yesterday i just noticed that my apple tree was on its way out as well um big a big mm-hmm. old, big old apple mm-hmm. tree and it just seems like the the speed of losing things increase has increased perhaps with a hot summer a couple of years ago and maybe changing climate
2: yeah and i think that's you know we've got we have got these twin crises you know there's, there's the biodiversity crisis that you you've mentioned the ecological precipice and then there is the climate crisis and the, and they are obviously linked intertwined and um you know i think we've all in, all now experienced um you know what the summers are like and what the winters are like and the extremes of what we're facing so it is. It is now visible and tangible to, um, you know, even places in temperate places that you know wouldn't necessarily pick up the extremes that early. Yeah,
1: yeah. You have to be pretty pretty blind to not notice it. I think now. You know, a few years ago, we we're still questioning it and challenging it. But everybody's weather's changed, really. How most people's have, and uh, it's it's very noticeable. Very noticeable. Now, so, tell me, um, you, you know, just to get our you talk about sustainable and regenerative leadership, almost well, well, sustainability and regenerative. What's the difference between the two?
2: Yeah, I think, I think they're, they're along the same spectrum, um, Chris. I think, you know, we've moved from a, um, a place of, uh, you know, doing less harm um, as, an, as a concept to, for, for me, sustainability is doing no harm. So being able to do the same thing without... You know, causing harm, but then you know, regenerative is the active building back um, of um, living systems, whatever part of the living system you're talking about. And so, it's a conscious shift to regenerating, rebuilding, repairing. Um, And I think that's why this term particularly appeals to me now, because I think we have gone too far in, you know, past many tipping points. It isn't just enough to do Less harm or no harm, we need to be actively thinking about how do we regenerate this? how do we um uh, allow this repair to uh to take place, and what's our role within that Yes now how did you mention mentioned that you
1: had a military background and I'm, I'm always interested myself in people who have because i I notice uh I notice a lot of tenacity in them often and uh you know, that gap sometimes between people spend a lot of time sometimes procrastinating uh, and I find some of my, my military, military, ex-military friends, uh, they, they really get, they decide what they want to do. They get into action quickly. I'm just really intrigued with you. You know, you had this background, you led operations and training in a number of countries around the world. How did that
2: influence your approach to leadership and the way you do things now, do you think? I mean, one of the, one of the things I really valued about the the military was just the amount of time that they invest in, in you and your leadership development. And I think that's, you know, that's just to note, I think leadership is, is critical in getting things done, um, whether it's in a military setting, um, or whether it's in a, um, you know, business or organizational setting and, um. You know, arguably, and I think I think you can make a convincing case for this, the the crises that we face now, um, you know, as well as the social inequity that is present in the world, is a failure of leadership. Yeah. Um so uh, so for me, you know, the, the military learning was how important leadership is and how much you need to invest in order to become, you know, good at that. Um I think that's the first bit, and the the, the second piece, which I think the, the military does really well, is this thing called mission command. Hmm. So, mission command is the idea of um, putting the decision making on closest to where the action is, to you know, the the, the front line. And I, I really like that as a as a concept because those are the people that can see what's going on. They're trusted and empowered to make the decisions and they're really clear on what they need to, um, you know, what they need to achieve. And um, as I was, you know, reflecting on our conversation for today, I was thinking about, you know, I was kind of 22, 23 when I had a huge amount of responsibility, you know, leading soldiers on operations. So I was very young to have that level of responsibility. And I, and I think that's one of our big opportunities now, as we think about these crises, I think, I think we need to, uh, listen to, to the younger generation, to young people. And I think we need them to, to be doing the, a lot of the leading, um, and, you know, trust them, you know, it's their future, uh, in some, you know, you and I are getting on a bit now, it's their future, yeah. you know, more than ours. And I think about that with my, you know, my children as well. So, uh, yeah the military is very good at that you know give give lots of uh, lots of training uh, build someone up give them the trust and then let them get on with it and uh, yeah i think there's some parallels there that we can learn from yeah yeah absolutely
1: did you ever um, in your in your journey have you you know come across you know a, a mentor or um someone who really you know has really inspired you around this regenerative agenda
2: was it, was, it, was it somebody that was a a catalyst for you? Yeah. there's been lots actually. You know, often um, I had I had no big sort of bang realization that um, uh, I didn't have a Damascus at a moment. And there are lots of people, particularly in um, agriculture, actually, who I started to follow. Um, there's a there's a guy in the states called Gabe Brown, uh, a chap in Australia called Charles Massey, who started to do. Um, agriculture in a a different way and uh, so you know less intensive uh, really work with nature work with the living systems and I was really I am really inspired by that because I think that's where we can do some of our best best learning and I think uh, you know we may have lost track about that uh, Mm. lost track of thinking that we're you know we're, we're the clever ones um, here and you know we're in control of this stuff, and uh, patently we're not. Yes. So uh, so let's find some humility and uh, uh, and learn from learn from nature. So those yeah those those two would be examples. Um, and then there was a actually I, w- I went on a course at uh, Schumacher College. It was a wonderful. Uh, chat there, professor um Stefan Harding who's really inspiring and um a big proponent of diet uh, theory uh you know and the, and the living the living planet and i think if we see ourselves uh, within that context of you know we've been here for a relatively short period of time and uh, there's something something else going on before we arrive which is really successful yes um you know, before we came in and uh, and and did what we did, uh, so I take great sort of inspiration from that thinking. Um, yeah, and Stefan would be a proponent of that.
1: Yes, we we had a good we had a a good interview a few months ago with Charles Hutchins, and uh, I think you know Giles as well, and he uh, he was he was really good in helping us just reminding us that we had you know, through history we started to believe that we controlled nature. And it, and it was, uh, you yeah. know, it, it was we it was for us to manage and tame, and uh, when actually we need to be listening to it, we, it that it, it shows us you know, there was a, there was a system out there that we just haven't been understanding or appreciating that is yeah. operating quite happily and even more happily without us. Yes, yeah,
2: no, I, I, I think that's spot on. I think you know, there's the. Uh, there's that disconnect, um, I think that is one of our challenges this um this disconnection from from that system from nature, seeing ourselves as separate, um and believing that we we yeah have some control yeah um, yeah
1: yeah, I'm really noticing that that trend in my conversations and also a trend towards people now starting to take indigenous populations so much more seriously in the wisdom that they built up through generations upon generations, you know, um, Western man thinking they were superior uh, when actually they knew things that we didn't understand. Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, yeah.
1: There's, there's a shift is happening.
2: Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, I mentioned humility before, Chris, and I think that's that's particularly for us in um, sort of Western societies, it may be, um, that humility needs to come in to be able to say you know we don't that's not the case you know we we need to be um have some of that curiosity back and you know listen to our wisest self i think i think it's a reconnection within ourselves. i don't think it's gone i think it's there i think we have lost the ability to listen deeply to ourselves um and um and make more conscious choices you know, having got back in touch with ourselves, I think that's that's one of our keys to our, uh, our sort of greater thriving, as you, as you put it earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, I've known you for, I don't know, probably known you maybe eight or nine years, something like that now. Been a, been a yeah, while. I think, yeah. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a while and we've done, you know, some some things together. And and um, the, the thing I was you know, think about you, I think of your humility and i also think of your groundedness you know you are you are very very grounded and it's just interesting you know thinking back to you know being brought up on a on a farm and the land you know you uh, you you are and and i can understand you know now why you know regeneration and sustainability is so so important to you and i'm i'm kind of intrigued to for you to maybe tell us a little bit about lsp mm-hmm. uh your, your business but also you Share a little bit about your personal commitments to sustainability and regeneration because it's, it, it runs deeper than this being about having a successful company for you.
2: Yeah, I think I've, I've, what's, what's come together um, is this fascination with leadership, um, which really took me into the army. You know, that, that was one of the threads. Um, and why would people follow other people? so that um so that's one element to it and then yeah this this love of nature and and the outdoors and trying to and trying to bring the two together and actually as i've been as i've been doing that um you know the world has been changing obviously and we've now got into the situation that we're in and really that that's the premise of bringing both leadership and regeneration together so I, I feel um in some ways very uh, fortunate that you know I've been able to bring those two fascinations for me together into something that I you know we hope is of, of greater service and that's now what we're about um, in in LSP you know we either want to be working on you know some of the social uh inequities that we face or the environmental equities and, and they're all they're all connected. And, um, and so the last 20 years with the business is bringing about bringing those two together. Um, and now, uh, yeah, in, in service to what's a very, you know, very, very serious situation without, you know, dressing it dressing it up. Um, and it's urgent. And uh, one of my big frustrations is, you know, this lack of urgency. And and that's been true of me. I've felt it in me, you yes. know, up to now. But you know, so how do we one of the questions I'm always sitting with is, is how do we bring the urgency that we felt with things like COVID, which were an emergency and we had to react? How do we bring that same level of urgency to this emergency, these emergencies? And um yeah, so that's where I'm I'm focusing. In you know, our work now with, with leaders, leadership teams, to talk about their, evol- their evolution, their agency, you know, how do they want to consciously act? And I think that's the, um, that's the work. And yes. I think if, you know, if we can, if we can galvanize and accelerate that, um, you know, back to leadership being a key lever, um, for change, um, that you know, that's, that's the work that we, uh, um, have been doing yes
1: so and, you, and your your work is around um you, you you have what 70 associates around the world don't you and you, you, you um, provide large coaching programs and um for organizations and for developing leadership um but you you also moved into this because the the l stands for leadership and the s is sustainability is that, that right that's right yeah and the p is performance yeah performance yeah yeah so yeah. You very much are, yeah. I think since we've known each other, um, you that the L and the S have become more and more connected,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it was when we started out, it was very much about leadership development, um, and uh, yeah, personal and organizational performance, and then yeah, we rebranded about um, 2014 and to bring sustainability into the title of. know what we what we were doing then um and then a couple of years later you know discovered one percent for the planet um and have been working through one percent of the planet with people like marine conservation society who've been you know wonderful partners and others who are on this on this path as well to accelerate their leadership and and our leadership as well you know we've been working out what it means for us to be a regenerative organization and you know, you mentioned the land taking on the stewardship of this land. Um, you know, we want a role model that there's a different way of doing business, and you can um, you can contribute more than you need to in certain areas, wherever you, wherever that's right for you. So it becomes it becomes about contribution and partnership, uh, you know, and collaborating rather than uh, you know competition and uh, you know maximisation of of profit or wherever it might be yes yes
1: so and you actually you've you have purchased land haven't you that you you're you're regenerating that you're taking personal ownership for
2: yeah we have yeah yeah, yeah we've we've taken on um which has been a beautiful you know journey so far i we're only a year into it um so yeah we're increasing the biodiversity on the land um you know stopping water runoff um will be uh doing some planting and some other things to sequester carbon uh just brought some cattle onto the land at the moment you know to they're they're an essential part of that ecosystem um but yeah also letting the land rest you know getting the animals off it getting the sheep off it for a year or so just seeing what emerges and and watching uh, and, and learning from it to see what it, it most needs and see what's emerging on its own So there's some lovely principles in there that I think, you know, stand us in good stead. You know, that's I think a little bit back to that wisdom that we were talking about before, you know, we don't have to be coming in and intervening hard in things. Um, We can, we can observe and, um, and see how the system is operating. Uh And uh, I think it's that mindset shift, Chris, which is really important for, um, for business leaders. Um, as well, to understand how the system works and how living systems work and what's what's our role within that. Mm. Um, that's the shift that I see is, is most needed.
1: I suppose it, it, I'm just sort of, in my mind, I'm thinking about the, in, in business we often have the need, the need to do and, and, and be doing things, whereas I think what you're describing there with the land, is, there's some things that need to be done, but there's also a lot of allowing it to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I well, you know, I think that's also reflected in us. You know, I've noticed that in myself in terms of my own leadership. Um, you know, the being is um as if not more important, it's how you show up, isn't it, as a leader? And um one of the things I've had to let go of in this journey is thinking that I need to know the answers. Mm. And um that's that's both humbling. Um, and it actually takes a load of pressure off, and you can just ask better questions, ask questions, talk to different people, get different perspectives and um you know often often i think if if you 're in some kind of hierarchy, the pressure is you know must know must need to know the answers and I think what we 're facing now um we don 't know the answers, but we 've got to go in a direction um and a bit quicker uh, than we are, and um, we've got to set some ambitious targets without necessarily knowing how we're going to get there. And that's just fine, actually. Yeah.
1: Yes, we seem to we seem to be very good human beings at um, really getting into action when um, you know when there's a major collision, don't we? <laughs> when the when the car a car runs off the road, people get into action, you know. Yeah, uh, and I, I guess we're starting to see that with the climate right now um sadly there's a backdrop of a, a lot of disconsent and leadership um causing turmoil i think around the world um but if we if we're going to address this issue we've got to come together haven't we we've got to listen as you say to the listen to nature learn about it uh mm. and uh help it help it um regenerate itself um as well as we we act to improve the system
2: yeah yeah and, and that's a good point, actually, you know, in, in from some of the learning I've, I've been doing, you just need to get out of the way. Yeah, actually, it's um, it's been doing it for a lot longer than we've been around as humans. And it works out uh, what the optimal conditions are. And, um, and there's a level of collaboration there in nature, which is second to none. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'd be wise. We'd be wise
1: to learn from that. Just, just on a sort of final note, I kind of think about you, with you saying that Chernobyl, and after the nuclear disaster, how that land had to be left alone, and how it's uh, you know the, the vegetation is taking over, trees are taking over, deer are now you know probably not overly healthy with all that um, radiation, but but nature is starting to take it back.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know the rewilding movement around um, in in Europe and the UK. You know that's the uh, that's the premise of um, you know what they're doing, Um, and yeah, with some you you can replicate some of nature's actions as part of that um, to speed it up and um, and to help, but uh, yeah, lightly and um, lightly and gently, I think is the uh, the way. Excellent. Well, we're going to commercial break now,
1: and after the break, we'll look at uh, we'll start to look at you know leadership and maybe some of the things that leaders can do in terms of helping to shift their mindsets or shifting your mindset to um, become more regenerative. How do you, how do you become more ge- regenerative day by day? How do you uh, convince skeptical people uh, about the value of regenerative um, practices? Um, so lots, lots to think about um, after the break, uh, how do we align profit with planetary needs as well is going to be really important too. So we're going hopefully, move a little bit further. We won't have all the answers, but move a little bit further to some uh, direction on those in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break.
2: Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you.
1: Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: You were tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
2: Hi,
1: it is Chris Cooper. I'm back with Simon Bailey. We're talking about leading with uh, the Earth in mind. And I think I think if I took a message from that last section, really, was was Simon's frustration that this is urgent you know that we really do need to we really need to get on with this we need to take it really seriously and and I think I alluded to you know we seem to be good at acting when there's a car crash um but you know the doing what's required and taking things really seriously until it hits us uh, I remember watching um you know videos about the possibility of uh, you know a pandemic and people going to be Slightly, slightly interested in it, but only just. And then it hits, and suddenly everybody's interested. And uh, we are now seeing massive change in our weather patterns. We're physically seeing it in our environment. Um, it's time to crack on. So, Simon, how can leaders start to really embrace these regenerative practices and start to start to work on them on a daily basis?
2: Yeah, I think it start for me it starts with purpose, Chris. So I think um defining what your what your organization's there for. And um you know, if you're ultimately I think if you're not seeking to to solve a social or an environmental um challenge or or take on an opportunity to create something that is in service to that, I think um you really need to question you know what you're uh, what you're about um so i think that's one that's one piece so what are you uh, what are you here to do um and and why um i think then at another level it is how you show up as a um, how you show up as a leader daily i know mean, how how are you how are you turning up um to work on that purpose what's your what's your best self are you bringing your your best version of yourself to do that. And I think, you know, in the organisations that are, that are doing, are making good progress in this, then there's a whole, you know, wave of innovation and energy that is unleashed um, towards that. And um, and that's part of the, you know, the great energy that regeneration, I think, can bring, you know, to, to organisations. And then the excitement. Um, and you know, getting the best out of people. so I think yeah have a look at having a look at purpose, getting clear about purpose and um, and then allowing people to you know a little bit like the uh, the sort of mission commander spoke about getting out of the let the let the youngsters, the people closest to the front line, let them um, act with um, freedom, let them. See what needs to be done, and, and give them the tools to do that. And and frankly, you know, if, if you're kind of, our age and older, Chris, part of part of an older generation, and 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 you don't get it, then work with people to understand what it is. And if and if it isn't for you, then move out of the way. I think yes. that's part of the part of, that is part of the urgency that I'm, I'm feeling. You know, don't don't sit there being some kind of blocker. Um, get yourself out of the way, and or empower people um to do this because it's too urgent otherwise to uh you know we haven't got another 10 years uh, to to uh not take the requisite amount of action with urgency that we need to take yeah it's actually I just you just got me
1: thinking there's a real if you are if you are in the way and you are blocking there's a real selfishness in that you know selfishness not considering future generations because we're not going to be we're not going to live forever are we uh, none, of, none of us. So, all we can do is try and leave what we touch in a better state than you know. When we're, then you know then um, then it is presently. All we can what we need to do is is actually play a role in contributing to this better world. And we've got to really think about our you know our children. If we don't have them, think of someone else's children. Think of nephews and nieces, and think of their children and their children, and what sort of world are they going to have? Mm. Um, mm. You, you have to, I think, like you say, get very purposeful and think about this really deeply, uh, and find a way to connect to it emotionally because uh, this is yeah. getting serious now.
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's some, and at the same time, it, it is absolutely as you say. And at the same time, there's a lot of really good work being done. And I think one of the challenges of, you know, leading change, and I think this is about, you know, for organisational leaders, this is about leading change uh, and building a culture behind um, that purpose. That's really the work. And, you know, we've done that before. We've done that, bring, you know, with health and safety, you know, that's, that's come in and it's become part of the culture. And I think that's what we need to do again. So it's, um, it's a different topic, and we don't know the answers, but it is about leading change, um, and it is about building culture. And I think that's, that's the job of the leaders in organisations now. And in a, it's really tough. W- w- economically, it's tough at the moment. And this is one more thing um, to do if you take that mindset. I think the other mindset is, and this is where I see opportunity, um this is a once in a generation transition of the global economy into onto, you know, to a net zero um, uh, agenda. And that brings real commercial opportunity along with it. And so, you know, if, if you're a um, hard and fast business person who loves chasing the profit, my, my belief is that you can be more successful. Um, if you really bring this into the heart of your strategy and for other benefits as well, not just for, share, for shareholder return, but let's use the, you know, yeah, let's use the system we've got. I don't think we have time to change systems, you know, out of the sort of capitalist system, but let's use this and, and bring this, but bring it on to um, um, onto this purpose, as we were saying. Uh, and let's bring the best of what we've already learned already know how to operate you know we've been this current generation of senior leaders have been doing it for 30, 40 years successfully so um let's use that but let's uh let's do it for the right reasons
1: yeah i remember seeing um I won't going into specifics on this it's somebody you and i i both know well and uh, it was a, it was a project that was done in a large organization and there were lots of Lots of videos afterwards, and the project was actually what you you were talking about. It was educating leadership and getting helping people to become more purposeful. Mm-hmm. And I think what was truly wonderful about that project was seeing how the employees of the company then took it upon themselves to start creating videos, uh, and and it literally it was transforming how they th- how they thought about themselves and the and the and the company. Yeah. Um, and I think that really showed me that actually you you there's an opportunity here to build enormous movement and momentum and excitement again with your people and engagement and loyalty uh which ultimately will hit
2: your bottom line. Yeah yeah there's lots of um I'm with you there's there are some great um great studies about um how that is exactly the case in you know, empirical studies. Um, and so I think you know that that is true. Um and I think which sh- you know that mindset shift in from a commercial perspective is in part shifting from a risk mitigation um perspective. Um we know that there's more um you know legislation coming in in terms of um carbon, uh water usage, uh biodiversity, that's coming for the you know publicly listed companies if it's not here already. So there's lots of lots of pressures there, um, but how can you be how can you be more successful as a result of this? And I think you can, and um, that's really the I think that's the exciting that's the exciting part of it. Yeah, yeah. And how, and how do we? I mean, I, I'm, I am just one of the things I'm so
1: angry about and so frustrated about is the state of the water in this UK in terms of rivers and the canals and uh, yeah. and, and lakes and the damage that's been done by horrendous politics actually over over the over the years and you know how how um how do people best show their you know they're discussed in a constructive way when you know we have some of the most polluted rivers which and we, and we actually have some that should be some of the most beautiful in the world you know we have beautiful rivers over here or did when i was a child anyway and to see raw sewage being flushed down them and uh uh, and it's it's all to do with the you know the infrastructure and partly capitalism really that has just driven us into a cul-de-sac. Um, how 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 do we show up um, as a as a leader mm. and express our, our frustration and contribute to improvement? Have you
2: got any any thoughts? God. Well, I think um, that one one of the one of the positives, if you like, for me that's come out of that is the individual agency that has has shown you know individuals and groups yeah um, from um, from the public who are making their views known are publicizing it and bringing real pressure um, to bear and I think if if we hang around for governments um, and uh, you know global organizations uh, to bring the change then I think we're we for a shock. So I think it's down to us as individual leaders, as members of society um, and working from wherever we are in an organisation to bring about that change ourselves and, and have the conversations, ask the questions. And um, I think that's where it that's where it starts. And I think so. I think that's one of been one of the great um, uh, lessons learned from what you just described. Chris, and you know and we'll see um we'll see what it brings yeah. um yeah so in some ways are, are, you, are you
1: feeling um are you feeling hope at the moment do you feel do
2: you feel hopeful Can can we do this i do actually um i went to um something uh called anthropy at the eden project a couple of weeks back yeah uh, which is a i think there were 2000 people there from from many different sectors uh lots of young people um many different organizations of different shapes and sizes and the conversation was i mean one it was heartening to see how many people are um working on these agendas um secondly that was my second year there and yeah the number of young people who i spoke to who wanted to do something about this um and who were doing something about it and speaking up and finding their voice um was heartening yeah it really was that's probably where i got most most hope from um and there were some organizations there doing some really good work um and going beyond what they needed to do and um you know it, it's interesting from their leadership point of view those organizations because they were making themselves more relevant they are making themselves more relevant they're they're positioning themselves as part of the solution and and not trying to pretend it's it's not there or they're doing something about it when they're really not um because we you know we are in an era of uh a, a greenwashing as well to an extent um and so they were really being, you know, quite open, quite transparent about the challenges that they, they face. So that was heartening because I think if if you're willing to say we're not doing it very well, we're here to learn, can you help us? That's a completely different mindset to um, trying to pursue, you know, an old business model, um, when the context has completely changed. Mm. It has completely changed. Um, and I think you know the the value drivers that make up how an organisation creates value now are, are changing and have changed. So, as a leader, if you haven't understood one the new context that you're working in, and two, where your customer base and su- and supply chain um, operations are are going and are going to be affected, whether it's whether it's through um, you know migration issues uh climate change biodiversity loss if you haven't understood that change in context then that that is a real threat to your uh, to your organization because you you simply won't be able to carry on in the way that you're carrying on in you know in the, in this decade you know for 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 too much longer and um so that's why again where for me that's the fascination with leadership because that leadership mindset change that asks some different questions and sees the wider context um, that's the shift mm. that um we really need to be working on and if people um you know people listening
1: to this and thinking um, so how how do you have best have these conversations how so how so how do you in your organization if you if you have a client who say, look, you know we need to need to understand this agenda better. Our leaders need to understand it better. Uh, we need to think about how do we, we, you know, um, shift our purpose and our, our our vision, and how do we get people on board?
2: How does someone like you help with that journey? Yeah, each organisation is has a different starting point, obviously, and a different context. So it's a it's about having a conversation um, with the leadership team to understand their current reality. Um, you know, there's some hygiene factors, obviously, um, that they really need to have worked on in terms of understanding their uh, where their material impacts are and um, where the customer base is. And, and so that those are the sort of hygiene factors. And then it becomes about, okay, if you're looking at your operations from a living systems point of view, then you know, we're not in the game anymore of maximizing efficiencies. Um, you know, how are you contributing to the health of that? How are you deepening your relationships with your customers? How are you building greater resilience into your supply chain? And and so these are it's a series of questions. Um, it may be some experiences as well, Chris, you know, taking uh leaders and leadership teams away to um work on their inner conviction and their inner understanding. Uh, a lot of the one to one coaching in in this space is about um, building awareness um, of where the individual is and their understanding and then building their uh, their conviction and their courage you know their own um, their own courage to take action because that's where it uh, it's that inner transformation and inner understanding that is critical and as we know with any any change it starts it starts with you. Uh, It starts inside and unless you're sure or have a high level of conviction um, and and personal resilience around this, then um, it's easy to get blown off course. So a lot of our work is in in that context. And then it may be, you know, organisationally then about um, sustainable literacy. You know, what is it? What's this new language? What does it mean to us? And then... Getting ideas, getting engaging, engaging the uh, the colleagues in the organisation to say, you know, what are your ideas? And um, that's one of the great untapped areas, I think, for organisations. I think there's a there's this um, huge amount of potential that is sat within workforces who see what's going on haven't been fully engaged in it i've got some great ideas would love to have a go at it and um at the moment aren't so i, I see that um you know if i was a, a a leader in a large organization rather than a small one right now i'd be saying how are we engaging our workforce where are the ideas coming from or how are we truly listening to you know, to those ideas and and doing something with them. What's our process for that? Do you have any um,
1: Do you have any examples of anyone you think is doing it really well?
2: yeah, I mean, there's there's a well. Let me let me give you some from the agricultural um, sector um, because there's there's organisations in the agricultural sector who are. Employing more people um, than they have been, so they they've you know moving away from this intensification, and um, they're employing more people. They're they're um, engaging the community. Um, they're actually producing better quality um, crops. Um, they're selling locally. Um, so there's one near me, for example, which um, is, a, is a local cooperative. Uh, it's going from strength to strength. Um, there's one in Jersey, um, uh, a food cooperative in Jersey, which is re-engineering food systems in Jersey. Uh, and for me, these are wonderful examples because they, they sort of illustrate the interconnected nature uh, and the complexity of what we're dealing with. So of course, if if you do that and you're producing better quality food, and then that has health benefits uh, for the individuals, um, it takes uh, less a little bit a little bit of pressure off in the long run the NHS and what we, you know and 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 in the community aspect is ma- is massively improving mental health because people are connected with each other and working with each other. So we're reducing isolationism of amongst farmers where, you know, some, there's some of the highest suicide rates um, on, uh, on UK farms as well as, you know, in India and other places uh, as well. So it's that. That's the mindset shift that starts to enable a spiral of many different positive benefits, which is really at the heart of regeneration and those principles, which I think are really key to us unlocking a – Um, that future, you know, as we, as we, as a place that we want to move towards positively. Yeah, fantastic. If you were to recommend, um,
1: you know, a a book on this for people to read, what would you, do you have uh, a a book in mind or any literature that you? uh...
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's so much. Um, uh, The Future We Choose by uh, Tom Rivet Karnak and Christiana Figueres, um, I think is a is a really lovely book because I think we are at a moment of choice. Yes, and I think that, and we're in a decade where the future is open. It, it could go one way uh, or it could go another, and it's it's for us to choose how we want to show up in this moment. So I like their. Um, I like that hope. I like that sort of sense of active hope. Um, But I think the, you know, coming right back to what we said about urgency, we really do have a conscious choice to make here. If we carry on as is, we are making a decision. We have made a decision, which is to carry on as we are. Um, And so we have a conscious choice. So the question is then, so what is it that we are choosing to do? And for whatever reason that might be, Chris, it might be children, it uh, might be our own legacy, um, our own personal satisfaction of, uh, of knowing that we did something. Whatever whatever our individual motivations are, it doesn't matter. But, uh, but making a conscious choice, I think, is where we're at.
1: And on that note, I think um, that's probably a perfect way to end the interview, really. It, it's, it's urgent, it's making a conscious choice, and uh, we all have that opportunity right now in our in our sphere of influence to uh, to think about how we're going to contribute and uh, and to think about those generations that uh, some of those are still unborn and the world that they're going to uh, move into if we don't uh, sort this uh, this problem out. And uh, on another side of the angle, it's actually quite exciting because it means uh, we can be productive. Uh, it can, uh, if we can get out the way of ourselves, it can bring out the best of us. It can bring the best out of us in our workforces. So actually, yeah. actually, it's yeah. something that could be really exciting and uh, create mo- more movements or our movements already. Um, I think you, it was interesting hearing what you had to say about Anthropy because uh, it must be good to go to an environment like that and see so many projects that people are working on, so many mm-hmm. initiatives because there is a a, a thriving world out there of people who are working on these problems um, we just need more more to step up and it was also a little bit uh it was also a little interesting when i asked you the question about who's doing it well and you talked about farming there wasn't 10 companies that immediately came to mind which made me think uh, there's a lot of companies out there that need people like you to help them um so so thank you simon that was uh, great talking to you today
2: no thanks chris i really really appreciate it and um yeah let's leave on that uh, on that positive of you know the energy that it brings um you know that it brings to us and um getting involved with it uh it is i'm optimistic and you asked about that and i am optimistic um we just need to accelerate what we're doing we know what to do we just need to make it happen faster
1: fantastic if you want to find out more about lsp leadership leading sustainable performance go to lsp leadership.com that's lspleadership.com you can find all the contact details and there for people for simon etc everybody please go away and have a think about how you lead with the earth in mind thank you very much take care
0: we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show